Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. I find um, discussion of box office to not be terribly interesting and not be very exciting. And and oh. I think it dominates way too much. It's like capitalism hands off my movies. The Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. Well, first of all, those are the wise words of our friend Oliver Jones from uh, L.A. And uh, those words help us begin to close out the year with the help of our great Jen Cheney of Vulture and New York Magazine. And welcome, Jen. Here we are trying to make sense of it all. What are you watching? <laughs> oh, gosh, Arch. So many things. Uh, one show that I want to mention that... I fear people may not watch because of the subject matter, and I hope I hope they change their mind on that, is mm -hmm. Station Eleven. I don't know if you've had a chance to check that out. I know you've uh, discussed it before. Tell me again. So this is an HBO Max series. Uh, it's based on the novel by Emily St. John Mandel, and it's about a pandemic, or at least it starts out that way. Mm -hmm. um, a flu that just ravages through society and and... It basically is an apocalyptic type situation. So it's, you're watching um, this one character in particular, who's a young girl when the pandemic hits, and then you're also seeing her as an adult 20 years later, and what has happened to society since then. It's not so much about the pandemic itself and like why it happened. It's about people, people's resiliency and surviving and how art is this real balm for people oh. throughout uh, difficult times. And it's just, it's a beautiful adaptation. I love the novel and it's a really terrific series. I know a lot of people are maybe the last thing they want to watch right now is a pandemic yeah, thing, yeah. but trust me, it is, um, it is worth watching. It's actually very uplifting. I come to you with an invitation. To the Museum of Civilization. We have to abandon the future. All that matters is the now and what got us to this point. How many episodes? Um, I'm trying to remember now. I think, I think it was 10. Mm -hmm. Um, but yes, it's just a single season. He used to sing, we need a little Christmas. I think we need a little resilience. <laughs> <laughs> I want to jump in here and mention to you that I discovered the landscapers on HBO max with uh, Olivia Coleman. Have you uh, found that yet? I'm aware of it. I haven't had a chance to watch. It's based on this true story of a English couple who um, killed her parents and buried them in the backyard and uh, left for France. And 15 years later, it all unravels. And it's only four episodes. And I found it fascinating. And it's given me even more uh, appreciation of the um, talent of Olivia Coleman. Uh, mm -hmm. There, it's uh, David Twilas. Is that is, is that how you say it? Of uh, the Harry Potter and so many other things. He's her husband, and they're they're just sort of of fused together, and they love Gary Cooper and old movies. And as part of her love for him, as they're trying to escape uh, the prisoners, the prison, she um, manufactures letters from Gerard Depardieu. To him <laughs> makes him believe yes relation so it's 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 fantasy and kind of quirky and and at times very touching uh, hmm. so uh the landscapers if you watch it uh i would love to know what you think because i really liked it you're still watching yellow jackets 
I absolutely am. Uh, this is a Showtime series uh, that's about a girls soccer team, a high school team. They're in a plane crash around like 1996. It's about what happens to them in the immediate aftermath of that, but it also jumps forward a couple decades as some of these girls have grown up into into women and are still dealing with the ramifications of what happened to them in the aftermath of that crash. The plane crashed, a bunch of my friends died. And then the rest of us starved and scavenged and prayed until they finally found us. I think we both know there's more to it than that. It's got all kinds of mystery and people are on Reddit trying to dissect what everything means, which is, you know, it's like lost again, kind of. Uh -huh. um, and it, it's it's just it's really well done. It's really fun, and I've loved watching how people are like finding the show and and talking about it um, on Twitter. Uh, it's so. it's showing up in a lot of ten best lists. Uh, can I ask you something that might be a spoiler alert? All right. Uh, do they all make it? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I not surprised? No, they don't all make it. I mean, and that's not even that much of a spoiler. There's one sort of oh. central figure on the team that, you know, you, you see who everybody's kind of adult counterparts are. You're, you're seeing yeah. both of them, but you don't see her adult counterpart. Um, and that's kind of obvious from the beginning that she probably didn't, didn't get to age the way the rest of the girls did, so. Uh, may I mention, I stumbled onto uh, a movie on Amazon the other night called The Tender Bar. With, oh, yeah. Uh, have you have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, I, I did. I wrote a review of it. I just kind of found it easy to watch and uh, satisfying. I mean, it's it's an old coming of age story about a kid who wants to be a writer and uh, Ben Affleck as his uncle who kind of mentors him in this big crazy family. I'll take care of you. Teach the male sciences. I saw you in the yard playing sports. You're not very good. You'll find some other activities. I like to read. You read enough of those? Maybe you could become a writer. What's your take? I mean, I thought Ben Affleck was really great in it, mm -hmm. um, but I felt like I'd seen this kind of movie before, and I yeah. felt like the best parts of it were were his character. Is it was it Uncle Charlie or was that his yeah. name? In his relationship with with his nephew when he's younger, but then they spool mm -hmm. off and they start doing like when the nephew's gotten older and he's in college and he has this relationship and all this stuff that to me felt like I, this is not the movie I was watching. You've, you've, it, it felt like they were checking off boxes from, from the book, trying to cover everything that was in the book when I felt like they should have just honed in much more tightly on the relationship between the uncle and the nephew. I found it kind of funny that uh, the book is about his life uh, as he leads toward writing his memoir. And uh, they sent out the memoir. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going to read it. Okay. <laughs> so, so what can we look forward to on TV? Well, a couple things uh, to mention. A million years ago, slash the beginning of 2020, the show Cheer was a huge phenomenon on Netflix. Um, it feels like, you know, such a long time ago, but they have made a second season. Uh, Netflix just announced, and it's coming out in January. And I've started watching some of the episodes. And, um, you know, it's it's the same cheer squad, Navarro in Texas, but they also start looking at their rival community college and their and their squad. But it's also looking at how these these I'm going to call them kids, but they're really young adults are dealing with the fact that they've become celebrities in the wake of this first season. Um, and it also tackles the fact that Jerry, who was, you know, 
sort of the breakout star there are, you know he's he's facing uh, a bunch of criminal charges now because of uh, uh relationships with minors that were inappropriate and i haven't gotten to that part of the season yet but i know that they address that so i think it's 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 more than just now being about cheerleaders it's about kind of the ramifications of even being on a show like this so i think that's oh, going to be kind of interesting that's an interesting way to go yeah well we're wrapping up the year and uh i think it's appropriate to ask you for your favorites uh on streaming uh in the past year and you seem to have found a lot of things to like yeah um you know i had to do a, a 10 best list for vulture um, mm -hmm. Each of the critics do that. And, um, you know, it was, it was hard to narrow it down. But should I just go through my top five? Sure. Yeah. Throw five at us. Okay. So my number five was Mayor of Easttown on HBO. Uh -huh. Thank you for putting me onto that because I yeah. loved it. Uh, yeah, I did too. I mean, it, it was hard, you know, there's, there's a lot of good shows. And I was really, when I made this list, trying to go for what really stuck with me and what I thought was you know, a show that understood what it was from the from the jump or was doing right. something a little bit different. So my number four on the list was WandaVision. You know, we were inundated mm -hmm. with Marvel all year long, right. movie-wise, TV-wise. And WandaVision was the one Marvel project that I felt surprised by. Very creative. Really taking some chances. So I wanted to single that one out for that reason. My number three uh, is the other two, which I think is the funniest show on television. Another HBO, um, HBO Max show. It's it's a satire of like the entertainment industry. Um, I thought the second season was as funny, if not funnier, than the first. My number two, The White Lotus, on mm -hmm. um, an HBO limited series um, from Mike White about you know rich people on a on a resort and and just their sense of privilege. And I, I think it's incredible that he wrote that show as quickly as he did, and that it was as good mm -hmm. as it was. And then my number one was um, We Are Lady Parts, uh, the Peacock series about a Muslim <laughs> punk punk band, um, because it just it, it was a show that made me the happiest. You know, you were uh -huh. all looking for TV to kind of help us escape even more so this year. And and that show just I just found it such an absolute delight. And I, and I just love the way that it portrayed these women in a way that you just don't see Muslim women in particular portrayed with so much nuance and just um, fully formed sense of character so that's um, kind of emerging you know that and the peacock channel uh are suddenly uh, kind of uh hitting people's uh attention span uh and i've got to uh sample that because i haven't yet yeah it, it's a quick watch they're half hour episodes uh -huh. and there's only a, yeah. like six of them and and it's really fun well, I'm with you. We watched Mayor of Easttown twice, and the second mm. viewing was even more satisfying. And you put me on the hacks with mm -hmm. uh, Gene Smart, and uh, I can't wait for the uh, second season of that. And uh, I am a big fan of Reservation Dogs on Hulu. In fact, we watched that twice. Mm -hmm. It's and the second viewing, uh, I kind of saw it as a series of vignettes about these teenagers on, uh, on a reservation trying to get out and how they cope with that and coping with, you know, very uh, difficult family lives. And yet, at times, it's laugh-out-loud funny, mm -hmm. and at other times, it's quite poignant. And I want to mention a show that I think was one of the most interesting of the year. And believe it or not, it's Jeopardy. 
because <laughs> first you had the grief of Alex Trebek dying, and then you had the tryouts of all the hosts, and then the behind-the-curtain look at that terrible producer <laughs> who tried yeah. to bully his way into the job. And then since then, they've had two unusual contestants one was a guy named Matt Amadeo, who kind of went into this uh, trance and would uh, start every answer with what's. Now they have a, a long-running winner named Amy Schneider, who is a trans woman and seems to be unbeatable. You know, I, I'm not going to pretend I didn't think I could do good, but this has just been so much better than I, than I thought I would do. Uh, that it's really hard hard to say what it means yet. I don't know. And I am becoming uh, quite a fan of hers. In fact, I wonder what uh, the future holds for her. So just uh, all of that uh, drama and twist and turns, I think, makes Jeopardy <laughs> maybe not the best, but one of the most interesting shows of the year. Yeah, that, it has so, been a wild Jeopardy, that's for sure. So I'm going with that. What about um, Succession? I'm thinking Succession has just about jumped the shark. What? Every How every dare you season. say that after that finale? <laughs> every season. It's like Lucy and the football. <laughs> he dangles it in front of his kids and then he takes it away. I'm... Uh, just an opinion. You don't have yeah. to agree. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I know, I understand I felt ang because I felt that way a little bit at the beginning of this season, but I feel like they set things up a little differently and I don't want to go into too much detail to spoil right. it for people who haven't seen it, but I feel like that finale set things up differently and changed the dynamics a, a, a little bit in a way that I think is going to be very interesting in the next season. So I, I don't feel like it jumped the shark in any way. So I guess next season will be called, what do we do now? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's really hard to talk about it without <laughs> saying what happened. I know, I know. <laughs> I've probably given away too much. I'll try it again next season, I promise. I know you love it. I just, I'm, it just seems like more of the same every year. So, uh, What's wrong with more of the same good, good quality show? Well, okay, <laughs> give me some more of that. <laughs> What's your take on the movies of 2021? What do you like? You know, I, I found it much more difficult to come up with my best ofs for that. Uh -huh. um, mm -hmm. I mean, it was a very strange movie year um, with things getting delayed and moved around and, uh, I, you know, the obvious uh, concerns about going to the theater. So I, I, I made like a little list in absolutely no particular order of what my top five was with the caveat that there's still some things here and there that I haven't seen. Right. Um, you know, I still think one of the best movies of the year, Summer of Soul, the documentary that mm. Questlove did. Um, Absolutely. About so-called Black Woodstock. I just thought it was incredibly well done. Well, I, and I, the manner in which he updates the events of 1969 to 2021 mm -hmm. and what a lot of that says about our time now. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's more than just, you know, nostalgia. Right. I mean, it could have, even if it were just a music documentary, it would have been pretty great mm -hmm. because the footage yeah. is so good, but he does something much deeper with it, um, like you said. So uh, so I thought that was really great. I loved a movie that I know you hated. <laughs> <laughs> What's Come on, this? Come on. 
Uh, I thought it was really sweet. I thought it was really uplifting. Um, I liked all the performances in it. Joaquin Phoenix mm -hmm. was wonderful. Mm -hmm. Woody Norman, the boy who plays his nephew. There's another, another movie about an uncle and a nephew and their relationship. He keeps asking me why we don't talk. You could tell him the truth. Mom died and got into all that weird stuff. That weird stuff of our entire lives. I love the way they use sound in it because, uh, you know, Joaquin Phoenix's character is kind of like a... I don't think they say NPR, but that basically is what he is. He's like an NPR yeah, reporter, yeah. And, and his nephew gets really interested in in recording sound with the, and and the way they just even at home, you know, watching on my TV, I could tell how great the sound was mm -hmm. on it. I really liked Power of the Dog, um, which is on Netflix. That's another one we watched twice. Did you? Yes, and I read somebody interpreting it as uh, a movie full of secrets where nothing is as it seems and nothing turns out the way you think. And do you think Power of the Dog is the uh, leading contender for uh, Best Picture at the Oscars? I really am not sure. I think it's certainly going to be nominated um, mm -hmm. for that. But another movie that I had on my list, West Side Story, I think could also very well take that prize uh, because it's it's an update of a just revered film, but that feels like something fresh. And that is, I thought was just really wonderfully done by Steven Spielberg. And in, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm building a narrative in my head, but in a year when they've been really wanting people to go back to the movies and, and talking about just the power of that to give best picture to something that harkens back to a previous time to maybe our most revered filmmaker, of all time like it just feels like that would be a nice story whether or not that actually wins i don't know and is that four or five no that, i'm sorry that was four and then i just um especially now in retrospect having seen more movies i thought king richard was really like a, a satisfying mm -hmm. crowd pleaser type of movie yeah. i had some issues yeah. with it but but i still really enjoyed it and i i know everybody was talking about will smith's performance in it initially but i think the supporting performances in it are really really strong John Bernthal is great as, as Serena and Venus's coach. Uh, Anjane Ellis as their mother. She's terrific, and I, I hope she gets an Oscar nomination for that. So I, I, I really enjoyed that. And that's something you can watch at home if you have HBO Max. You don't have to go to a theater. I like uh, most of those. It, and I'm busted on Come On, Come On, because <laughs> I'm talking about how much I like the same exact story in the Tinder bar. <laughs> so uh, I'm busted there. I'm just adding, uh, I like Belfast. I liked uh, Brannock's uh, memory play of growing up during the Irish Civil War. And Coda mm -hmm. I, has particularly stayed with, stayed with me with that young um, Emily Jones wants to sing and uh, none of her family uh, can hear and therefore how is she going to make them understand what she wants to do? And I really liked Licorice Pizza. Mm. You know, again, coming of age, <laughs> nostalgia. There's a lot of a lot of lot of uh, lookbacks at uh, earlier times, aren't there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I love coming of age stories. There were uh -huh. there were parts of Licorice Pizza that I liked a lot, but it just it didn't totally add up for me. I think because I was not rooting for the for the couple to be together. And it felt like, especially toward the end, like the movie wanted you to be rooting for that. And I'm like, are we supposed to be rooting for that? Yeah, it's, I, you know, that that is quite a piece of tension there. 
I, I guess you have to accept that he's full of uh, energy and life, and uh, and so is she, and and maybe uh, he wants to grow up too fast, and she doesn't want to grow up yet. I don't know. I wish I just, the whole movie I love... had been as good as the Bradley Cooper scenes were. That's what I wish. Right. Uh, and I'll, incidentally, you will not be surprised that I love Nightmare Alley. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm going to go back to a matinee of it mm-hmm. uh, just because I love the look. I love the old movie from 1947. I love film noir anyway. And uh, Bradley Cooper is uh, so good as this con man who gets, gets what's coming to him from uh, three leading ladies, but uh, particularly from Kate Blanchett. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I, I loved it. I want to mention passing to the uh, story about the color line in 1920 mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Ruth Nega. Uh, so, you know, I didn't think it was a bad year. The only press screening I went to was West Side Story, and I got the uh, benefit of sitting in the same row as you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then all the press started coming down with COVID. So <laughs> I'm sneaking back into matinees again. Yeah. What can we do about that? Where do you think we're going anyway? In terms of? In terms of movies and streaming and, you know, what's what's the future hold for us? I mean, you know, I read that, um, that piece you sent me by Peggy Noonan that was in the Wall Street Journal, yeah. which I don't know. <laughs> I just feel like <laughs> there's no way for anybody to make a proclamation of any kind that that at this point that the theater experience is dead just because I went to see West Side Story at noon on a Wednesday and there weren't that many people there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. um, You know, one of my colleagues, um, Bilga Beery, wrote a a piece. It wasn't a response to Peggy Noonan's column, but it was also about this very issue and kind of talking about how well Spider-Man has done. And obviously we know people are willing and and happy to go to the theater to see Marvel movies and, and superhero films. But he was pointing out, you know, and, and again, it's, this is New York and L.A., but how so many repertory theaters have been selling out, showing older films. I mean, when I went to see Licorice Pizza, I was at a sold-out screening at the AFI um, where they are checking your Vax card. You can't get in there without it. Good. Good. Um, so I think the idea that people don't want to go to the movies anymore is a little bit overstated. And I just think it's really hard for us to draw any conclusions about anything when things are still so in flux. And that's what's so frustrating is just that we're still, it feels like we're still in flux two years into this thing. You know, I, I think I think something like West Side Story would have been a hard draw, even, even if we were in better shape with the pandemic, but certainly that doesn't help matters. And I'm just, I'm just loath to like draw any sweeping conclusions from any of this at the moment. <laughs> Sweeping conclusions. Speaking <laughs> of sweeping, <laughs> Lou Katz <laughs> is our enabler at Hound Radio. Lou is our long, my longtime friend from uh, many years of uh, Washington Radio. And Lou, uh, you know, I'm very grateful that you make this podcast available. And uh, tell us what you're thinking and tell us all about Hound Radio. Hound Radio is getting ready to wrap up 2021, and we have some holiday wishes from the staff. Tis the season to unleash New Year 
wishes, and the staff here at Hound Radio have a few for you. Hi, everybody. It's Arch Campbell. Happy New Year. Happy 2022. Listen to Hound Radio and the Arch Campbell podcast right here at Hound Radio. We love dogs. That we do. I'm Faith Lapidus with Hound Radio's World of Dogs, reminding you that when 2022 arrives, dogs will still be the most popular pet in America. Now, if you're a cat lover, then you'll want to listen for my Cat Corner feature here on Hound Radio. I'm Lisa Sinrod, curled up with my cats and wishing you a happy new year. Hound Radio wouldn't be possible without this guy. Thanks. I'm Lou Katz, and to you and yours, a happy, healthy, furry, friend-filled 2022 from the animal lovers at Hound Radio. Uh, I thought of you, Jen, when uh, the director of the Dallas Buyers Club passed away quite suddenly because uh, I know you're a fan of uh, some of his streaming shows Big Little Lies uh, weren't you a fan of Sharp Objects too he did that a huge fan of, of Sharp Objects um, yeah Jean-Marc Vallée was mm -hmm. such an interesting filmmaker I, I interviewed Elizabeth Perkins about Sharp Objects uh, when it came out a few years ago and just her describing his process where it was so, um, you know, he'd be filming the actors, but then if like he saw like a bug, he would be filming the bug <laughs> and like he would, it was very stream of consciousness, not rehearsed uh -huh. at all. Um, and I think the way that he made films and especially sharp objects, I think was such a great example of it. It puts you in the character's brain. Um, and you just felt like you were immersed in, in, a, in a whole other world watching his shows and, and his movies. It's all about actors and storytelling is the, the love of what I do. I love it, you know, I'm like a kid on a set, uh, a kid playing with a huge toy and having fun. It just makes me sad that we won't get to see what else he, he would have been able to do because I feel like he was just breaking his stride. I was thinking of his relationship with uh, Reese Witherspoon creatively, and uh, he sort of was at the beginning of her becoming a uh, a brand. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, in terms of being a producer and and mm -hmm. uh, really breaking out in that way, she she worked with him on Wild and and also on Big Little Lies, and I think you're right that those kind of established her as not just an actress but somebody who was really getting projects made this specifically about women. And, and he was very good at, at shepherding actresses and actors to, to really great performances. I notice uh, some of the award shows are moving around. What's, uh, what are your thoughts on award season? I know the Critics' Choice was supposed to go early in January, and now they're going to go later. And uh, the Golden Globe nominations came out, uh, and most people said... <laughs> What are they? Are they still in business? <laughs> right. And I think I don't think they've canceled theirs. I mean, it's not going to be televised anyway this right. year. Right. Yeah. And I've, I mean, there's been some some speculation. Will the Oscars have to move? I think it's too early to say because that's not until what the end of February. I think. Mm. Might even be oh. early March. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, again, everything, especially going into January, if if these cases continue rising, I'm sure a lot of things are going to be postponed. So. We'll see. As I was thinking back about movies I liked last year, I put together a list of uh, 10, and seven of them are streaming already. And uh, Belfast just went up streaming services, 1995. But uh, also, I liked, uh, I liked a little movie called The Card Counter. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, you can see it for $5.99. And I also this year liked, in spite of the other reviews, I really liked the French Dispatch. Mm-hmm. And you can see it for $5.99. Wes Anderson and, uh, you know, a New Yorker style magazine and just his sort of fantasy. And I liked it because I, I went to a matinee. It was Bob Mondello of NPR, who, as you may know, years ago, uh, was a theater manager for Roth Mm -hmm. Theaters. And Mm -hmm. I loved that about him. And he was the first one on this podcast to say, look, go to the first show. There's nobody there. The air conditioning is running and the air circulation is good and go. And so I went to the French Dispatch on that recommendation. And I sat there for the whole thing, and I sat there through all the credits. And, you know, just as a movie experience, uh, it's one of my fondest memories. I, you know, probably won't have quite that uh, streaming, but uh, there's a lot of good stuff uh, available uh, right at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. That matinee rule does not apply to Spider-Man, I have found, which I still haven't seen. And I keep looking for like a screening where there aren't many people and I haven't found one yet. (laughs) Spider-Man is quite a phenomenon, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. And we'll move along what we're seeing anyway. Big movies in theaters and uh, little movies streaming and in some theaters. I did that, that Peggy Noon piece. uh, I particularly like that she noted uh, with the small crowd, everyone stayed and watched the credits mm-hmm. and applauded the name and applauded Spielberg and applauded Bernstein and and uh, uh, Sondheim and applauded the you know they sat there and applauded. That's that's kind of a nice uh, observation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So speaking of observations, <laughs> it's time for flashbacks and favorites. You used to come on this show and throw flashbacks and favorites at us. And it's a very, it's difficult to come up with a question that, uh, you know, kind of uh, stumps your fellow participants. Do you have a flashback and favorite to throw at us? Well, just from, you know, we've been talking so much about coming of age stories this year. Uh Um, Is there a coming of age story that you really love from, you know, previous years, like a favorite that you want to mention? Coming of age from previous years. Oh, let's see. Come on, Arch, you can do it. Well, of course, the graduate for a guy (laughs) of my age, it has to be the graduate. Mm -hmm. And especially the fact that it ends on a question uh, and probably (laughs) ends worse than you, the ending opens up a whole new can of worms. But, but of course the graduate, because, uh, that's that's the era I grew up, and that was that was the movie people my age were talking about. So, sure, The Graduate. Lou, you got one. I do, but it's not from the past. It's it's the okay. one it's the one that my wife Wendy and I are into watching: the Sex Lives of College Girls on HBO Max. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's the uh, Min, uh, what's her name, Mindy Kaling. Uh, Kaling, yeah. One of her projects, and. and and it's goofy, it's light, it's not serious, and with all that's going on in the world, it's a nice little break that we take, so. Yeah, I enjoyed that, too. Yeah. And uh, come on, Jen, make, make with it. 
What's your coming of age favorite? Certainly, you know, all the John Hughes movies, The Breakfast Club, mm -hmm. those are all very big for me, but slightly more recent. I really liked Lady Bird a lot. I think that was a, a, a ah, great film. Um, yeah. We still haven't seen it for whatever reason. Go check that out. Saoirse Ronan's great in it. That is a wonderful movie. Uh, from the word go, the opening scene yes, is the opening one of the scene great opening scenes of any movie. So, um, what are your recommendations as we wrap up 2021? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with what I said in the beginning and and <laughs> say Station Eleven and also Yellow Jackets. Jump on board, please. I'm gonna tell everybody to find Coda on Apple TV and The Power of the Dog on Netflix and. Uh, summer of soul on hulu and if you venture out what the heck give west side story a try or licorice pizza or even nightmare alley i'm going to go over to the afi and i think i'm going to do a double of licorice pizza and uh, nightmare alley i haven't done one of those in a long time that's a good way to end the year yeah. Jen, it means so much to me and Lou that you come on this show. Yeah. And uh, I want to tell everybody to follow your work at Vulture and New York Magazine. And want to wish you a happy new year. Oh, thanks. Same to you guys. And speaking of New Year's, I understand, Art, you have a few thoughts on the wrapping up of 2021. Well, this edition wraps up the Arch Campbell podcast for 2021. We have completed 38 podcasts this year with the help of many friends and guests. Our podcast partners include Jen Cheney of Vulture and New York Magazine, Susan Wazena of RogerEbert.com and Gold Derby, Oliver Jones in Los Angeles of Observer.com, and Jason Fraley, the entertainment editor of WTOP Radio. Also, Nell Minow of RogerEbert.com and the Washington Film Critics Association, and Tim Gordon, the president of the Washington Area Film Critics Association, plus Travis Hobson of Punch Drunk Critics, Bill Newcott of the Saturday Evening Post, Bob Mondello of NPR, Rocky Haddadi, who has joined the staff of Vulture and New York Magazine, and Ann Hornaday of the Washington Post. Our guests this year included Ben Mankiewicz of Turner Classic Movies, Russell Williams, a Motion Picture Academy voter and Academy Award winner, now working at American University, Georgetown University professor Caitlin Benson Allott, the prolific writer Will Haygood. His latest book is Colorization, a 100-year history of black culture and cinema. Plus, Roy Allen Lee Boyke of the Body Heat Film Fan Society. Dick Dizel, best known as the classic horror film host Count Gore Duvall. And Linda Carducci of WETA. Thank you, Linda, for lending your voice and a touch of culture to the proceedings. My good friend Lou Katz makes this show possible through the facilities of Hound Radio, and Lou knows it is such a pleasure for me to work with you on these shows. We're going to end the year with a break. That's a good way to start 2022. And we'll be back on your podcast provider January 20th of 2022. For now, Happy New Year, and thank you for listening. I'm Arch Campbell, and I hope you see something good at the movies or on streaming 
or whatever. This is the Cats Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a podcast.